Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 147. I am your host, Nicholas Minix. Joining me, as usual, on Sunday evenings is Jason Collette. Jason, how are you this weekend? I told you I only needed seven days to disable this. I was able to make it back. I'm functional. I'm not 100%, but I'm ready to play, Coach. That's definitely good news, considering I, I believe it was a, a pickup basketball affair in your new hometown that uh, really kind of put you on the uh, on the DL to begin with. Yeah, it was uh, a nice forearm shiver from somebody, but I'm I'm, I'm functional. It was a couple, rough couple of days, but it was good. Ready to rock. A uh, long day here today. Had a fa- all my family over, including my my dad and my stepmom. It's been a long day. I literally just sat down in front of my computer here. We're recording this at nine fifteen on Sunday. I've been on the go and sat down at nine o'clock, saying, "Okay, what happened in baseball today?" I know the Rays lost, but outside of that, complete wash. So I was playing catch up until you called. Okay, well, fantastic. Well, uh, there is a good bit to catch up on. Uh, I think fantasy owners would be excited that they can put you back into their basketball lineups. Uh, but the real question is, is um, how excited are you about the Rays' nine-game winning streak before today's loss? I think- uh, stoked. Stoked. I mean, I, that, not that I, I'm not one of these guys that give up watching on a team because they play terrible baseball. Uh, it's just a lot easier to watch them. It was I, I find myself cursing at the TV uh a lot less often. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And I think I think that's has to decrease the odds that David Price is traded, no? Yeah, you would think so. But then again, you know, they, they lose today. You know, they've got a rough stretch. They've got Milwaukee and Anaheim this week. That's, you know, that's, that's not an easy situation. You've got the trade deadline on Thursday. Uh, you know, you look at the playoff odds right now, they're 11.2%. The division truly is wide open, uh, the way everybody's playing in this game, uh, in this division, rather. So, uh, I, I, you know, if you asked me a month ago, I would have said 90% he's gone. Now, I think it's more like 10%. Wow. That's a huge, that's still a huge change. I mean, I think it's, like you said, I mean, you also, we, you know, we talked about it, I think, I think we talked about this a week ago, and it was, uh, at the time it was about four percent their chances for making the playoffs. The Rays. So now we're talking about. I mean, it's a an increase to basically a, a one and nine shot. So, I mean, you have to like. I think if uh, if you're a, if you're in any other team other uh, any other team other than a major front runner in a division at this point, I think you have to be pretty pleased with a one and nine shot to make the postseason. Milwaukee has kind of stumbled since right around the All-Star break. I mean, that's there. I, I think this is a kind of thing that's certainly doable. This is a team I said I think we have to still have to watch out for the rest of the season. So uh, Boston, they won when I was there. I mean, they had that rough patch. There's something like three and fifteen. Uh, then they uh, won a couple, and they won on walk off by Luke Corey when I was there on Tuesday night. That was fun. Uh, Homer Bailey did not like my appearance. Give up two home runs <laughs> in the first inning. Uh, did not look good in that game. I thought Jimmy Nelson actually looked pretty good uh, until he kind of lost his fastball command. They were in, the, I believe it was the sixth inning. Uh, but, uh, you know, Milwaukee, Lou Croy's an MVP candidate. He really needs to be getting more conversation about this. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when I was just sitting there conversing with fans uh, in my seat in Miller Park, you know, we got talk about MVP, and they're like, why is nobody talking Lou Croy? You know, this is, that's local opinion. But honestly, you look at national opinion, sure. 
I mean, you look at what he's doing and, and what, what kind of season he's having. From a fantasy perspective, I think anybody who's lucky enough to own him uh, on their fantasy roster is certainly considered the guy an MVP. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I feel kind of fortunate. I mean, I kind of considered him a consolation prize from the top couple of catchers. I mean, he was a guy I was targeting. And, and in the two leagues that I still have, he's my one of my two catchers in both of them. And, uh, I mean, I've been thoroughly thrilled with that, obviously. Um, but I think... And, what I think kind of gets overlo- uh, overlooked by the media, especially uh, Yadier Molina, for instance, is known as the top defensive catcher in baseball. But uh, LaCroix is at least his equal, I think, at this point, considering I think Molina is a little bit on the fade as far as his career concerned. Just a little. I'm not saying that this guy's washed up over the career, uh, over the hill, anything like that. But I mean, Mal- you know, he is <clears throat> he's uh, he's a couple of years past, or he's uh, 31, 32, somewhere in there, and mm-hmm. uh, the defensive metrics have been. They seem to, they, you know, kind of evoke some praise for for Lacroix. Uh, there was a piece that appeared on Fangrass earlier this season talking about how overlooked it seems uh, Lacroix's defensive uh, prowess has been, uh, and especially and pitch framing, game calling, things like that. I mean, he's he's right there, and I think that uh, the combination. I mean, it just I think a lot of this is reputation. It's just not hasn't arrived yet, and uh, it's kind of unfortunate because I mean, Lacroix is offensively obviously everything. Uh, for any team could want as well. Well, it's that market. I mean, the problem is Milwaukee's a small market, but you look at the, if we just sort the NL by war, Troy Tulowitzki's first place, but we know how these voters vote. They're not going to vote uh, a guy that's on a last place team unanimous. You look at the, the way numbers, he's got a 0.7 lead on everybody else. Carlos Gomez is next, and Gomez deserves some attention too. McCutcheon uh, right now is on a team that's on, on the outside looking in for the postseason. Puig is never going to get over his reputation. Stanton's on a non-contender, and then you've got Lucroy. That Those are your top six NL players by war. I'm not including pitching. I'm sure Clayton Kershaw is exceeding all of them, but uh, when we look at where uh, where hitters are, those, Clayton Kershaw's at 4-1. Because of the time missed by injury, but he's—I think he still leads the. He's NFL leading all pitchers, but yeah. he would be—he would be tied with Luke Corey, who Luke Corey, Hayward, Goldschmidt, and Kershaw are all four point one already. It's certainly a case to be made, maybe because of the combination, of the market, and and reputation, as well as Carlos Gomez also being a bit uh, warranting of voting, as well. I think that you know those, those things probably erode Lacroix's chances to compete for the award this year for sure, but. I think yeah, he's definitely he's kind of uh, he's kind of the guy to take over the mantle as far as best uh, best catcher in that in the National League uh, from Molina in the very near future. We talked about some trade items. Uh, it's it's time to get into that. Uh, the only trade that has occurred this past weekend since our last podcast was that the Giants acquired Jake Peavy from Boston Red Sox. What Boston got? I mean, it's a little bit interesting there, but not really worth commenting on for fantasy purposes anytime soon. Jake P- uh, Peavy to San Francisco now. Uh, he's he's actually pitched pretty well in his last several starts. Uh, which, and uh, obviously the move to San Francisco, the ballpark, I mean, he's always had a fly ball problem. It has really come back to bite him in the last few years in terms of mm-hmm. home run home run prevention. You have to like the move, I think, from a, the combination of the move to the National League and the new ballpark. I mean, this is a guy who might play in mixed leagues again. Yeah, I mean, when you look at him this year, on the whole body of work, you mentioned the, the recent starts, uh, the better starts recently here. Strikeout rate is is as lowest it's been since 2009. Walk rate is as high as it's been since the same time. Home run rate is as high as it's been. The opponents weighted on base average is 346. It's a 40 point, 46 point jump from last year, and it's a 42 point jump higher than anything he's done in recent history. So he's had his struggles, 
but that ballpark definitely has something to do with it. That's just something that that's going to be tough on him. Uh, and going to San Francisco should help. And when you look at what PB's done, PB's home ERA this year was 587 and 145 whip. Uh, on, I'm sorry, that's away games. That's not even bad. Home, 359 <laughs> and 142, uh, 142. So, wow. There goes that theory on that. I mean, really struggle on the road. But then when you consider some of these road ballparks, right. Yankee Stadium is going to be tough on them. Camden Yards is not a good place to pitch either. And Rogers Center is not a good pitch, to, uh, a good place to pitch either. I do think going to the National League and their inferior lineups uh, and, and a bigger ballpark should help them because that's just an unusual uh, home split. When you look at those, uh, those numbers, that's just really the home split – He's kind of been all over. I mean, last year, 273. This year, 359. A couple of years ago when he had home run issues uh, with uh, Chicago, was at 611 uh, kind of thing. But he struggled. There's no doubt about it. The last two years since coming over to Boston, he has not been a good pitcher on the road for whatever reason. Those ballparks have not been friendly to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's we talked about the problems he's had, and the walks were a big problem for the first probably month and a half in the season. Uh, but uh, he walked – Four guys, at least four guys, and let's see, five of his first seven starts, and uh, he was pretty bad uh, in, in them as far as ERA was concerned. And he did, he wasn't. He, then he, then he, he uh, kind of got the walks under control, but wasn't striking anyone out, and so the ERA kind of remained up. And this is obviously there's you know, there's uh, in terms of I mean he's he's gotten the walks under control recently. hasn't walked more than three. Um, since May seventh, uh, now he's kind of he started to strike some folks out, and this is back still in the American League, uh, with seven, three, nine, and seven in his last four starts, uh, and against a couple of pretty good opponents there. I mean, a couple of couple of dogs in Chicago, uh, Cubs and and the Astros, but also Baltimore and Toronto in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Toronto really only lit him up. I saw a little bit of that game, and and uh, <clears throat> also saw the results, and he actually I think shut them out or had allowed only one run through five innings. I mean, he was kind of cruising until he just kind of, and I'm not sure if that was at that point laboring or whatever it is, but I think he's, I mean, to me, he's, he's deep mixed league worthy at this point. I'm not going to, you know, not running out and putting him out there. He's doing well so far tonight. I mean, yeah, through four innings against the, uh, against the Dodgers, four hits, one under and run three strikeouts, no walks. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, I think this is a guy that, uh, the mixed league owners are going to have to take interest again. And I mean, I, I dropped him in Tal Wars, a uh, couple of months ago, maybe, or maybe a month and a half ago, and nobody, you know, obviously really had any interest. I think that's going to change. I mean, I expect to see some bids in for him tonight. So it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. More trading has got to be on the horizon. Obviously, the deadline, as you mentioned, is on is this Thursday. Boston uh, may not be done, probably not done one way or another. Uh, they, they hope to acquire Matt Kemp, who is Why? also <laughs> not <laughs> sure. Uh, the Alf, uh, Kemp is also considered kind of a backup plan for Seattle. I'm assuming that's if they can't come up with a pitcher. Uh, I didn't see much detail as far as what they can, why they considered Kemp a backup plan. I think that is also a huge mistake for Seattle. But that would that would truly show their desperation if they were to acquire him. But uh, uh, you know the Dodgers are also <clears throat> kind of mutually, although not necessarily in the same conversation. But at this point, you maybe think it has to come up if. The Dodgers are also inquiring about John Lester, and Boston is willing to listen to offers to on him. Maybe those two names would come up. I mean, <clears throat> I can understand Boston's position, especially if Boston's. You know, they they talked about will, being willing to trade uh, Lester at this point. Lester says he's willing to come back to Boston or listen, you know, listen to offers from Boston in the winter, mm-hmm. uh, even if he's traded. So, I mean, it makes sense for Boston to try to get something for him just for uh, you know, 
to, to give up something for a rental. Do, what positives could, I mean, is, is, is Kemp did that to Boston even possible? I don't understand why they'd want to do that, to be honest with you. I mean, Kemp's got a big contract, and, and, and Kemp, let's let's say that John Lester is absolutely willing to come back to Boston this offseason. If he gives him some kind of assurance saying, look, trade me, I'll go ahead and go, I'll come back to you on the first day of free agency if we can come to some kind of agreement. Cool, you know, let's do something like that. But how, I don't know why you would want Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp, the next five, he is due by rough math $107.5 million. Shoot. Well, no, I'm sorry, $107 million. <laughs> He's due $21 million next year and then $21.5 for the final years of his, the final four years of his deal. He's got all of that left, and that's through ages 30 through 34. We're seeing a guy who can't stay healthy. Uh, you know, you look at the numbers, strikeout rate is on the way up the last couple of seasons. He, he's walk rates about where it's been. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy and you know, he's being paid. He's being paid like the 2011 monster year, but he's that his performance hasn't been the same in the last couple of years, 23 home run. He had, he's played 167 games since the start of last season and 106 games the season before that. He hasn't played a full season of baseball since 2011. I mean, this this is the Ryan Howard of outfielders almost. <laughs> this, is what it, this is what it's coming down to. And, you know, I don't know why fantasy value, who cares? If, if, this, if this, this kind of deal happens, I don't care. It's not going to change my opinion of him unless he goes a course field. I honestly don't care. Yeah, well, I think what's – like you said, he's he's – Basically, he's, he's about to become what we consider an aging player. The health is a huge problem. I, I think what what's interesting, I mean, I see this, I, I just can't see this happening because Boston is, I mean, they become a very, or a pretty metric savvy team. Kemp can't feel, I mean, he is a minus in center field. I mean, I'm sure he can handle a corner and that's just fine, but he doesn't bring speed or anything like that. The combination of the inability to stay healthy and being a minus center fielder, which is where they've had the problem. And, you know, if you stick him in a corner and say Mookie Betts or Jackie Bradley, one of these two turn out to be, uh, <clears throat> turns out to be a, a fine center fielder. Bradley, we know can, can handle the, the glove there. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe you could say that works out, but it's just, and, the Dodgers. I mean, the expectation is is that if they are if they do find a taker, that that team uh, that they'll have to you know throw in a ton of money to make that happen. And you're talking a a, a lot of money <laughs> in order to make that. I guess like a win for for whoever's willing to take it on. It just seems like a lot of ifs um, for a questionable reward. It, it, this mm-hmm. seems like this seems like the same kind of deal, only worse. That what is what got Boston into a lot of trouble just two or three years ago when they took on Adrian Gonzalez, et cetera, et cetera. It just was a bad mix, and you know they, you know they basically jettisoned all that. Ben Charrington comes in and changes everything around, and that's you know, what puts them on a path to a World Series. I, I don't, I, I just feel like they just got out of this. Why would they want to put themselves back in another potential mess like this? It's really hard for me to see this happening. I think if you know maybe maybe Lester does end up with the Dodgers, and I think that would show how concerned. They are about Josh Beckett's hip injury, uh, but uh, I mean uh, the, the fact that they're even looking for a starting pitcher says that they're pretty concerned about that because of, uh, Dan Heron has also really struggled. Uh, it's just it's 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 it just seems like a really far fetched thing for me uh, to see happening. Agreed. <laughs> uh, Seattle, San Fran, 
the Yankees and Cincinnati are among the teams that have checked in on Alex Rios. We talked before about how Toronto and Kansas City have been interested in previous uh, shows. Rios seems likely to be dealt only because of the high level of interest. We also talked a little bit about how his offensive game, specifically the power, is really in decline. But he's still, I mean, he's still a decent fielder. He still brings some speed. Um, only because, in fantasy terms, and it's only because of the number of attempts at this point. I mean, he's on he's on the wrong side of thirty, so that it doesn't. Uh, it's not a surprise to see that he's you know that's that's kind of not aging well for him. But do you see uh, do you see him on the move? I mean, do you see him making a difference as uh, as far as his fantasy impact goes, simply because of a move? Uh, I don't. I do see him on the move. I don't know why you'd want to hang on to him at this point. Uh, I don't know if there's gonna be much of an impact on his move as long as he goes to a place where he could still uh, be put in motion. I mean, he doesn't have. He's got a thirteen and a half million dollar team option after for next season with a one million dollar buyout. So that's not a cost prohibitive thing. If you make a deal for him and he sucks, you give him a million dollars and and send him down the highway. So that he's not an immovable. He's not the toxic asset or the toxic contract that Matt Kemp is. Right. There shouldn't be a holdup in trading and trading him and, and making something happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean I think it would I think it'd be a nice a pretty nice acquisition a pretty nice potential rental and I think. Uh, the only thing that I see being a holdup, I've read that, <clears throat> I mean, I, and I, I frankly can't blame him. I think that Rios is probably still a, not necessarily a bargain, but still an okay buy uh, if the if the, uh, the option year is exercised. And I think Texas uh, kind of leans toward exercising that unless he goes in the tank or is injured or something like that, of course. Yeah, I mean, if they liked, I made this case with, with Tampa Bay, if Texas liked their team on paper this year to be a contender, and a lot of people did, Mm-hmm. They've got the team under control pretty much for next year too. Mm-hmm. So if they want to keep them together, they can keep the band back. They can keep the band together and make another push with it. For sure, for sure. Another. This is a team. I mean, Cleveland. It's it's still kind of unclear which way they want to go. Multiple teams have expressed interest in Asdrubal Cabrera. I mean, I, I think Cleveland still considers itself a team that is that is uh, pushing for a playoff spot. And now they're willing to trade veterans and youngsters. Um, they they have received definite interest from uh, plenty of teams that need middle infield help. That's understandable, uh, especially. I mean, Cabrera is, of course, he's not the player that we all uh, we all saw several years ago when he had a breakthrough season, uh, something that approached what was it like a twenty five fifteen season or something in that nature in two thousand eleven two thousand ten. Anyway, uh, and and they've also been approached by Justin Masterson. Cabrera has been, for the most part, fantasy disappointing. Um, I mean, I could see the change of senior thing working for him as far as maybe boosting his numbers a little bit. But I think it's it's interesting if he goes. I mean, if he goes to a National League team and unless he hits, I mean, if he hits near the bottom of the lineup or he's asked to take some more walks or something like that. I mean, it's just uh, it, it's it, Cabrera's. I mean, he's he's just he's clearly not that fantasy asset that we thought he was several years ago. Um, or yeah, not at all. And, and he shouldn't cost that much to acquire because he isn't a walk year. Um, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the uh, the contract issue. This is the final year of a three year extension that he got. So this shouldn't. And this is not somebody. I don't know. I don't know if Cleveland would give him the qualifying offer because you look yeah. at you know, Peralta was able to get his deal, but we're looking at shortstop. Is shortstops don't age gracefully? And here's Cabrera, twenty eight. And he's in the third straight year of decline. You look at his numbers. You think back again, 2011, as you said, that was his breakout year with an OPS of 792. This year, it's almost 100 points lower. And and last year, it was right about the same rate. He just doesn't do much. And I don't think you take – I don't know if you're willing to risk a qualifying offer on this guy. The shortstop's a shallow position. Uh, but I don't know if I give this guy a qualifying offer. 
No, no. I don't think that's coming because, I mean, Francisco Lindor was promoted to AAA or uh, maybe just within the last few weeks, um, last mm -hmm. couple of weeks. I think that that shows uh, – I mean, that's – my question becomes actually kind of uh, is Cleveland I – I still think they're in this uh, period where they say, you know what, I still think we're contending. Do they consider addition by subtraction and deal Cabrera and maybe bring up Lindor a little earlier than they expect? I think that that's – you know, I, I don't want to say that they've they jeopardized his development because I don't – uh, Lindor's glove is supposed to be. I mean, kind of, kind of a, a similar. A <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been ready for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I kind of view it as like they know the glove is going to going to play. They stick him at the bottom of the lineup in the eight or nine hole. Uh, I mean, we've seen teams have success with this with Elvis Andrews, with Manny Machado, players of that caliber where the glove can stick and they don't. You know, they, I, I to me, I like when teams do that because they say we know your glove's going to play. Do not worry about your hitting. Uh, you know, but just continue to work on it. And these guys slowly blossom, and, the, and it's the glove that allows them to play in the meantime. I mean, I, I guess I, I wouldn't rule that out. Fantasy, I mean, Lindor may not be a fantasy asset uh, this season, per se, if he was by by some stroke of luck called up. But, uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I wouldn't say you can't rule it out, and I think, you know, it's it's, it's always a possibility that he is. He's, he's such an interesting player. But, I mean, the, the Indians, um, they talked about the, the uh, this possibility – um, I, I think Masterson is a guy that they're going to have way too much difficulty trading in combination of the, the really poor struggles. We know it's a guy who simply, uh, without a third pitch, uh, he's just he's a guy who's at, who's at risk of getting blown up and probably belongs in the bullpen in the long term. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it, it's really tough to see them moving any of their vets uh, and still considering themselves a contender. I think, and uh, so I don't think I don't think it's addition by subtraction is an option with Masterson. I could see it with Cabrera and they've talked about that. They have a number of players who could fill in at shortstop for them. Jose Ramirez has been doing so lately while Cabrera has been a little banged up. Uh, right. Be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Yankees, of course, never strangers to the trade market, uh, interested in Josh Willingham, Jorge De La Rosa, uh, still interested in John Danks. I mean, they still want to make some changes to this rotation. Do any of these moves intrigue you, uh, or do any of them you see happening or not happening, for sure? I mean, Danks would be a little intrigued. Last I heard, unless the Colorado has shifted, I remember listening to a segment with Mike Farron and Jim Duquette on, on SiriusXM, and they said that the Rockies were adamant about not wanting to trade De La Rosa. And it's like, okay, in order to give, get, you got to give, but they don't want to give that guy. They don't want to give that guy... Uh, up in a trade, and with Willingham, that, that's a guy that the Twins should be trading. I mean, he, they're not—they're not doing anything. If if you can get somebody wants to give you something uh, to help out your system, you know, by all means, please go for it. I would be. Danks has been always been somebody that intrigues me in the past, but this isn't the this isn't the John Danks that we're used to. This is a guy that's having trouble throwing strikes this year, and I don't know if a change of scenery is gonna uh, gonna help that out. Uh, right. You know, left-handers in Yankee Stadium—that's that's a nice thing. But this is also a guy that in the past has had issues with same-handed batters. You could go ahead and you could stack up lefties against the guy, and he had trouble. Um, honestly, Willingham, of the three, because I think he, he will be the most available. And I think uh, just getting him out of that ballpark uh, and target field and moving him to somewhere where he could uh, have a better chance of some home runs. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, that's just, it's, I think it would be interesting to see how that turns out, especially for fantasy purposes. I mean, it's... He seems like one of those vets who could, you know, move to the Yankees and and uh, hit ten home runs, kind of like Sorry Alfonso Soriano right. did last season or something. Arizona is looking to trade Aaron Hill. Guess this can't be a surprise. Also, um, 
I mean, good luck with that, I guess. I think he's owed something like $16 million in the next year and a half or and, and maybe $28 million total left on his contract. Very tough to move asset. Uh, do you think that – I mean, say by chance they are able to do this, do you think it's for any player uh, specifically? Perhaps I – mean, what I started to wonder about was maybe they want to move Owings or Gregorius to second and the other one, you know, stick it short. Maybe they just have decided yeah, along to keep Yeah, along those lines. I could see something along those lines. He is due $24 million over the next two seasons, so about roughly three left, three or four left. So about 28. If you were to trade for Aaron Hill today, you got about $28 million to pay him. Yeah. Um, the issue there is obviously has, has only played one full season since 2010. Missed time, missed time, played a full season, missed time, and this year is at 98 games played. Uh, you look at the production across the board, and it, it's not what it once was. I mean, last his weighted on base average of 2012, 374, 356 last season, 296 this year. That That's Ugh. really tough. <laughs> and the speed is gone, 21 to 14 to 1 to 2. Now, is that speed, or is that... Kirk Gibson put in the restrictive plate because he doesn't like to run. But then again, you look at Aaron Hill's age. Are you willing to pay $12 million a year for ages 33 and 34 of a second baseman? I mean, at least he doesn't have the strikeout problems of Dan Ugla, who was making even more money than that. But this is, you know, you usually don't see things like this return to the other direction. Middle infield's just tough. You, you age there, and this guy's not running much anymore. He's not hitting for the same kind of power he used to hit for. And maybe a change of scenery could help rebound some of that value. Maybe, you know, let's say Cincinnati makes a deal for him. I don't know where they play Brandon Phillips, but you know, let's say Cincinnati does make a deal for him. That would be a good that would be a good situation. But no, I mean it's gonna be a marginal improvement if you make a deal for this guy. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think I mean it's just Arizona would probably have to kick in some money. How I mean how willing are they how much could they do that? I mean there's a lot of questions there. It's like uh that's a that's a nice thought, Arizona trying to trade Aaron Hill, but uh, you're I mean you probably need to you know be willing to take you need to do multiple, make multiple concessions in order to make that happen. I think so. Um, it just it's it doesn't look likely. I guess uh, Pittsburgh interested in AJ Burnett. Uh, now the I mean the, this this was rumored to be just maybe a week ago that they were there was strong interest. Now it's uh, Pittsburgh seems to be turning attention its attention elsewhere. I don't even know that they're in, in necessarily in the market for a big name starter, which I think is a little surprising. But that um, not a little surprising in terms of I mean. Pittsburgh. We know that they don't necessarily like to go after big name guys, but uh, that I mean, I think that that's probably their biggest key, their, the biggest way that they'd have a, a really good shot at the postseason. But now, interesting. Well, he's a known. He's a known known. I mean, it's yeah. a good thing. He's a guy they know. They had some success with him. They know what he can do. I think he has. I think a combination of, of the hernia issue where he's had to alter his delivery yeah. has affected him. The the lack of defensive shifts compared to him. Philly's better at it this year than they were in the past, but they're nowhere near what Pittsburgh does. Right. It's a situation. Situation that should set him up for some success, and if you were traded there, I would be more interested in owning Burnett than I am right now. Yeah, that's and that's I mean, we talked about that before. That's I think basically you know uh, Pittsburgh's interest is rumored to, uh, basically to have waned, waned, and now that's modded best. We don't. I mean, a lot of what's said now is, is posturing. I mean, we have to you know kind of accept that, take it take it with a grain of salt. But if Pittsburgh's interest, basically. Yeah, I'm not really interested in Burnett unless he goes back to Pittsburgh, and then it's like I want I you know, because then I have some hope. Otherwise, if he goes somewhere else, I'm really not optimistic that we're going to see anything better than what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Baltimore interested in Kurt Suzuki, uh, obviously now with <clears throat> with AJ Przinsky off the free agent market. Uh, 
Pittsburgh, or I'm sorry, Baltimore interested, or you know, they are interested in picking up Suzuki. I, you know, I think two months ago I'd have said, well, what's the point of this? I mean, Suzuki's do some regression. At this point, it's it's I think it's pretty. It's fairly safe to say that I mean he's made some significant changes, and and uh, it's, I mean it's applicable. It's a bunch of empty batting average for fancy purposes. This is definitely. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> potentially. Uh, if, if this move goes down, it's a much better real life move than it is a, a fantasy move. But uh, it's better, certainly a better offensive team, uh, and that has to uh, think. For instance, that if you're a Suzuki owner, that makes you more optimistic, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, gee, I mean, it seems like this this would be a pretty smart move for Baltimore. I would think they're going with a, basically a rookie catcher right now, Caleb Joseph, a guy who's really not uh, major league material. I think at this point, but he's uh, good defensively. I've seen the kid play; he's good defensively, but offensively. Uh, you know, adding adding a Suzuki would definitely help keep the line move, uh, keep the line moving, and that's something that uh, Joseph is not helping with. So um, that would be it would be a nice acquisition for them overall. And uh, as an ALEs fan, I hope they don't make it. <laughs> so, my, and my question is, is, Suzuki. I'm not familiar. I know Suzuki a few years ago was still a plus defensively, I believe, but uh, now I think he's kind of faded. Am I mistaken there? I think, but I think he's still you know, he's, he's considered to still be a pretty good game caller. Yeah, by eye test, by eye test, I would consider him in the top half. Okay. Yeah, and that's so. I mean, it's it, it's a move that makes sense for Baltimore. They shouldn't have to give up much to acquire a player of that caliber. So it'd be, that'd be it wouldn't be a bad thing for fantasy purposes. Obviously, Pittsburgh interested in Andrew Miller. That would obviously help them to shore up the bullpen. Has no real fantasy implications. Toronto is scouting Brandon Barnes. They obviously just seek some outfield depth. Uh, there and that would be that would be interesting. I mean, he's he's been kind of a he he can play all three outfield positions and uh, they've had some some injury issues out there. But uh, he's right-handed. That that's really the added value there. They have some issues. Uh, their bench is a little lefty. Yeah, uh, and a couple of interesting <laughs> interesting developments. This the only reason I even care to bring this up. It makes me wonder about what's going on there in Boston. This is a World Series winning team. Uh, and seven, you know, seven, eight months, nine months later, Felix DeBrant says he wants to be traded if he's not in a, in the starting rotation. And Mike Harper has requested a trade. And uh, it's, I mean, talk about a guy who, you know, either of these guys who's not in position to to uh, request I mean, trades. Here's the thing, DeBrant. <laughs> I actually agree with DeBrant. He needs a chance to go be a starter. You look at his career splits. He sucks as a reliever. I mean, he's he, he's not terribly effective as a starting pitcher. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but he hasn't. He hasn't been. Honestly, he's been yanked in and out, in and out. Trade him somewhere. Give him a chance. See what can happen. Mike Carp, dude, guy's lucky to still have a job. I mean, yeah. he's hitting two ten with a six thirty three OPS. He can only play against right handers. He's twenty eight. He's got the numbers of a thirty eight years old. He wants to request a trade. How about a DFA slip and say, you know, thanks, nice knowing you. Thanks a lot for last year. As he's yet another lesson of guys that you know when you, when you have platoon splits, they eventually resurface. And that guy was uh, you know a monster last year the way he handled uh, right-handed pitching, but it was it wasn't in line with his career numbers. You look at his career numbers: two, uh, 2011 hit 266 with a 761 OPS. 2012 180 with a 631. Then last year pulls a 300 and a 904 out of his ass. And then this year he's right back to where he used to be. So these one-year flukes, these kind of things happen. But man, I had when I heard he had demanded a trade, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, man, I, didn't, I honestly, I didn't even know he was still on their roster. <laughs> yeah, well, and part of that maybe because he was on the disabled list for a little while. Uh, I mean, not excusing his performance, just that you may not have known he was on the roster. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's an odd move or it's an odd kind of development, I guess. And you know, every player wants to start. All right, you know, I'm demanding a trade. I know I only <laughs> podcast once a week. 
but I'm demanding a trade. I know I'm not performing, but man, come on. All right, go ahead. You'd be lucky to get a Nicholas Minix for you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, it's the other way around. I'd be lucky to get a Jason Collette for a Nicholas Minix. <laughs> St. Louis, okay, like I mentioned, Przinsky off the trade market. St. Louis has signed him. Uh, I mean, obviously, Yadier Molina, that's devastating blow to a team that's in, that was in contention. Uh, and and Przinsky, I mean, he's he's racked up a, a few hits in his first couple of games there. Not to say that this guy is going to be gangbusters or anything like that. Maybe playing for a contender will kind of uh, pump some juice into his, uh, his, his bones or something like that. But, I mean, it's... Do you see? I mean, is he is he of interest again in say twelve team two catcher uh, mixed leagues? No, that's because I don't like the guy personally. Uh, uh, but uh, I've never met him. I mean, he's an empty batting average guy. You know, yeah, he, no, he he, that's that's what he can do. He's a one category player. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's the problem is if he maybe if he had gone to say if Cincinnati had a catching problem. I mean, if it, if one of these teams had had a nice ballpark for home runs because he ran into home runs. I don't want to say the entire byproduct of that was. I mean, he had a bit of a power spike too, but. I mean, he was also in Texas and uh, and 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 in Chicago, U.S. Cellular Field. I mean, we just, I mean, you, you can't expect much offensively. I mean, yeah, he he may put up some more solid empty batting average the rest of the way. Who knows? But he's uh, done. He won't have yeah. a job next year. Yeah, I could see, I could definitely see that because he considers himself a starter and probably be one of those guys who's waiting for a major league contract. This is interesting because I don't really know anything about Rusni Castillo. Uh, and but there's apparently a potential bidding war uh, brewing for his services. I mean, I, we know he's an extreme Cuban talent, um, and there's been projections now that he, uh, he could get an offer that rivals what kind of stuff that you Yasiel Puig got. Now, uh, I mean, I'm thinking more along the lines of Yoan Cespedes because he was, you know, age 25, 26. I mean, Castillo is 27, and Puig at the time I think was 20 or 21 when he was. Uh, signing on the dotted line with the Dodgers. I mean, it's a different story. Obviously, Castillo, if the talent warrants it, I mean, he could play shortstop, but it sounds like he's probably going to be an outfield or maybe center field. But, I mean, regardless, uh, Castillo is – I mean, I, suddenly I've heard the speculation jump to – I mean, there, there were 28 teams at his workout on Saturday. Uh-huh. Uh, and now the rumor is Castillo could be on a major league roster at some point this season. And, uh, uh, I mean, I think – to me, that's a little ludicrous. I mean, this but if if this guy hits the major leagues, I can't say that fantasy owners shouldn't keep him in mind. I mean, you know, the talent like that, we've seen some of these guys hit the ground running. Obviously, Jose Abreu has had little trouble with transitioning <laughs> to major league baseball. Um, but is this, I mean, do you see this as being a likely development? Is this guy, for instance, if AL only or NL only league, do you tuck up, you know, are you happy if you have a few dollars set aside and you get a chance to win his services? No, I think it's a complete shot in the dark. I mean, you're talking about a 27-year-old kid who's, uh, as I'm reading, 5'9 and 205 pounds. Uh, scouts range between 60 and 80 on grading of speed. I'm reading a report by uh, Walter Villa from uh, Baseball America uh, on this. 50 arm. Uh, they have some shortstop talking about his defense. I mean, a complete shot in the dark. I have honestly no idea what to expect uh, from this kind of thing. Maybe with that kind of speed, he can come and do some steals. I just can't see a guy who's not been playing every single day in Major League caliber baseball games to just show up and be like, okay, I'm here. Let me do something uh, and go from there. I think, well, it, you know, Dynasty or Keeper League, absolutely take a shot. You, people are going to sign him to a deal. It's not going to be so he can play in the minors for too long. Right. Especially right. at 27. At right. his age, it's going to be a very quick ascension. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's what's surprising to me is because usually we see these these signings develop and it's closer to the winter or it's before. I mean, before. And so 
if a player is a legitimate possibility to hit the majors that year, it's because he's had some time in spring training and he gets a little more acclimated and things like that. I mean, this seems like, uh, I mean, he's going to spend some, I think it's, he has to spend some time in the minor leagues. Maybe he's a September call up and then it's like, uh, yeah, it's a shot in the dark. I mean, I think that it's just, it's, it's hard for me to see in this, see this have some kind of real family implications this year. This is definitely a long-term play, you know, for those in the, in the roller release. And in that case, yeah, I definitely think there should be some interest there because, Despite being an unknown, Castillo obviously is a talented player, and uh, or twenty eight teams wouldn't be watching this guy work out. Alan Webster, he who he who fills in for PV, departed from Boston today, and he has a pretty good start. wasn't quite of quality, uh, at least as Major League Baseball defines it. And uh, but he did allow only two runs against the Rays, and uh, they they achieved victory against a team that is back in the playoff race. Uh, Brandon Workman or Alan Webster to make more starts rest of season for Boston? Um, Webster, I mean, I watched the game today, obviously. I wasn't terribly impressed. He has, you can see the potential, uh, but his fastball command uh, is not good. And he, and he really struggled to throw the pitch. Uh, I thought his changeup was his best pitch today. There were times where he was behind 2-0 on a count and would throw a changeup and, and get good hitters to swing over the top of it. Uh, but I... The way things are with him, it, he grinded through this. I know, you know, Rays, he ended up, the Rays ended up stranding a lot of runners. He got strikeouts when he needed to, so he was effectively wild, I guess you could say. But uh, it wasn't ter- the fastball command. If that if that's the way it's going to be, this isn't going to be a uh, this won't last too long. But this kid definitely has a bright future. Brandon Workman, I I always look at Workman and see him as a swing guy. I don't see him anything more than number five. Webster's got a, a higher ceiling than that. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I think I think ultimately Webster's going to have to end up in the bullpen. But I think uh, and I. I the main reason cited, at least in the media, that Workman didn't get the start today was that uh, he wasn't he was good, he wasn't going to be nearly as close to being on schedule. Um, and I mean, obviously, he's the guy they've kind of resorted to. But at this point, Boston has to be pretty close to throwing in a towel. Webster Webster has the higher ceiling, I think. I mean, five minutes ago, honestly, I was ready to say Workman. I think gets more starts, but I think because Boston, I mean, they, I think this has to be a team that, that find wants to start finding out whether Webster can last as a, as a member of a pitching rotation, uh, that they have to let him start the rest of the season or most of it. And the strikeout upside is immense, but I think that the, the, the really inability to have maybe a a third reliable pitch is probably going to do him in, but you never know. I mean, obviously we've seen plenty of guys develop, uh, unexpectedly. I think Bud Norris is one of them, but I mean, Webster could be just as good, if not better, than more, uh, Norris. I mean, he certainly has some pretty good stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think Webster is, a, is a, an intriguing fantasy yeah. commodity. Uh, Ian Kennedy, oblique strain. Uh, he's going to miss a turn on Monday. Jason Lane, uh, former right fielder, left fielder. Yes, that Jason Lane. <laughs> former, <laughs> former relief pitcher. Because uh, he actually I – mean, this is what's interesting to me is they're calling up Jason Lane to make a spot start. He's actually pitched four and a third scoreless innings this year for the Padres out of the bullpen in four separate appearances. Uh, he'll be making a spot start. Uh, do not put his name on reserve in your fantasy league for that. But uh, here's what's interesting to me because Kennedy has been a name hot on the trade market. This probably hurts a little bit, uh, but also they're not willing to DL him. Oblique strains – I wouldn't mess around with this, I guess, with the trunk, with the pitcher rotations and everything like that. I think it's kind of odd. I mean, I think it, this kind of smells, even though uh, San Diego has kind of said, hey, we want to we, we're going to need to see a lot in order to deal Kennedy. Now it almost seems like they want to keep him active just to hold out the possibility of a deal, because I think I feel like 
if they put him on the disabled list, you know you're not trading him. But um, I, I, I can't help but think that an oblique stream for a pitcher is a, is a must-DL injury. Yeah, that's really not something you can play around with. You think back to Alex Cobb, he missed five weeks with it. I mean, that's really not something um, that they really, if they think about the long-term health, if they're not going to trade the guy, then you, you know, take care of him. And if this is something, uh, it does really hurt his trade value. I think that's why they're not putting him right to the disabled list. Yeah. Uh, they they want to they hope that it's okay, but I don't see him being traded with this yeah. because uh, typically oblique strains aren't something that you just miss a turn. It, typically, you're, you're missing a few turns. Eventually, think that's going to be the case here. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like a positive. Um, and who knows? Maybe we see a, a Matt Whistler or a, 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 a maybe any number of the Padres starters that they've been kind of. I mean, they're 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 slowly kind of bringing some guys along. Casey Kelly coming back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, he can't be too far away. I mean, I, I would think he's eligible to be a September call up. So maybe we talk about him sometime soon. But I mean, it's just one way or another. Um, uh, hopefully, hopefully the Padres aren't screwing around with Kennedy, who had pitched really well, well in his last several starts. Yeah, it won't be Max Fried. He got sent back to the major league office uh, to get his elbow examined Uh-oh. two days ago. So that's that's uh, unfortunate news. Haven't heard an update on that, but it won't be him either. Uh, that's and that's disappointing. And he's obviously he's you know, relatively speaking, I would say is probably kind of on a fast track. Uh, but I I, I, I wouldn't Second expect best prospect for them. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Chris Capuano replaces Chase Whitley. Uh, Yankees just acquired Capuano, uh, or as most folks have called him uh, for a while, unless he's been a member of your bullpen, Crapuano, uh, in the Yankees rotation, which I think is interesting because Whitley's actually pitched pretty well until his last couple of starts. Uh, but Capuano has been primarily out of the bullpen. He was effective out of the bullpen for Boston for the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they DFA'd him, da 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 And now here we are. And he makes a start, and then he goes. It's basically a quality start for the Yankees. This is this is clearly a band aid, and that's why they're still in the market for a pitcher. But I think, I mean, between Whitley and I guess, I, I mean, I I'm I'm guessing Shane Green, Shane Green's results are what uh, allowed him to keep his rotation spot more than Whitley. I mean, Whitley right. still to me, I think is is a somewhat more promising pitcher, unless I'm confusing him with one of the other billion guys that the Yankees have had to throw in there. Uh, in recent times, based on the number of guys they've had injured, but uh, is this uh, you dump? I mean, AL only even do you dump him? I mean, this is this is kind of a damnation of Whitley, I think, at this point. Yes. Yeah, I do. I mean, when you're talking about a guy who really hasn't been able to do much, uh, Capuano. He looks he's looked effective at, at times. He's a completely a matchup based start, but for the Yankees to go ahead and make this move, it kind of speaks to where they think he is. I think in a 12-team AL league, you can make a move for Capuano, and he, he can still get strikeouts. For He doesn't throw that hard, but the way he hits his spots and mixes and changes his speed, he can still get some strikeouts. And I, Again, if, if you're in a tight battle looking for strikeouts, he's a guy to look at. Uh, in the National League, uh, the Chicago Cubs, they optioned Neil Ramirez. This was probably a little bit surprising. To I mean, I guess their motivation here basically is that they're concerned about the number of innings he's cumul- accumulated. He is. Uh, Why, though? He threw, yeah. he, threw, he threw 103 last year. I didn't. I saw a comment about that. I didn't quite get that. I, I don't know what the situation is in their bullpen. Maybe he's one of the few guys that has options, and, and there's the curse for him. And he's looked good from a skills perspective. He's looked great. Uh, I just didn't get the whole, you know, the whole anything because he, this isn't, he's fine workload wise to me. Maybe he's the only guy in the bullpen that has options. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's probably what it, cause when I first saw the explanation, that's where I kind of going to go with it is that, uh, is 
I mean, he, we, we know he's come, uh, I believe he's uh, had a, a serious uh, elbow injury a couple of years ago, maybe, but uh, or whatever the case is. Actually, I'm not sure that's the case. Okay, scratch that. Well, anyway, but the bottom line is he used to be a starting pitcher, and uh, the, mm-hmm. the innings build up at this point really should not be an issue, but I think that that was just right. kind of an excuse. They do say that they're going to use him sparingly uh, in the next 10 days. Uh, he's supposed to, he's not going to report to Iowa for right away, for instance. I mean, it basically, it just sounds like for whatever reason, they think he needs a break. Um, and that's, I mean, it kind of raises a red flag. It makes me a little concerned, I guess, but, um, I mean, he's, he's the best reliever in the Cubs bullpen. I still like him more than Hector Rondon, uh, picked up another save this weekend, but, uh, it's just, it's kind of a confusing move, I guess. I think if you're, I think if you're in a, in a shallow, very shallow league, I mean, you're, you uh, you, you're not owning this guy, but any any leagues where he was kind of considered worth owning because he might be the next guy to get a save there, uh, I, I wouldn't drop him because I, I mean I'm assuming he's going to be he's going to be right back up. Um, right. Just just kind of a strange move. It kind of it definitely strikes you a little funny. Uh, here's here this has been interesting and Billy, but we know that uh, there's there's always mixed information. Uh, that kind of uh, supports these theories. Billy Butler is really heated up. He'd been just been benched, or basically, uh, Nedio said that he was going to be start playing him less at DH. Uh, the alternatives at DH are not necessarily impressive for the Royals, but Butler has been a huge disappointment this year uh, for fantasy owners who hope for a back bounce back season. Since he's been benched, uh, he has been uh, on fire. I think he has like seven hits in his last eighteen at bats, has two or three home runs, uh, and they've been uh, a couple of home runs. They've been moonshots. Uh, he's he's. I mean, put a charge. Yeah, in I saw the other one, the most recent one. I had to double check and make sure it was <laughs> Billy Butler hitting it. I'm like, holy crap! He got under a pitch and crushed it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's been. I mean, basically, he attributes to this to playing some defense. He said, you know, and. His his mind is a little more off. His struggles at the plate. He has to th- focus on the fielding and things like that. Eric Hosmer now due back. Uh, uh, the Royals expect to get him back in the lineup on uh, Tuesday. He's been dealing with a I think sore wrist, sore uh, hand, uh, basically in that area. There has uh, been unavailable for essentially the past week. Um, Butler started to take advantage of that on Thursday or Friday, and and has really turned into something. So, I guess the question becomes: uh, Does Kansas City change? I mean. Does do they change things around and give him a game at first base a week or, or something like that? Do they? I mean, do they to to kind of appease him, see how much this uh, translates? If there's if there's actually something to it, uh, I mean, it, it, this sounds like a positive. I mean, is it reason enough to to be interested in Billy Butler or to have hope for Billy Butler again? It's not reason enough to sacrifice your team defense to put Hosmer on, on take put him at DH. I, I'm sorry. Billy Butler's a terrible defender, and I'm not willing to sacrifice defense to give this guy some playing time in there because he thinks it, it helps him out. It, it, I'm not sure if, if correlation is causation here, whichever way that it goes, I always screw it up. But <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I'm not believing in this. This kid's a natural born DH. Embrace it. Yeah, I think that. Well, to me, it's like if it's a mental thing for him, though, and maybe that there's. I mean. The trade-off in defense for one game versus, I mean, the five or six or seven a week that he's in your lineup uh, and and not playing at first base. I mean, I think there's a potential trade-off there. And I was assuming, again, that it's purely a mental thing and this does actually benefit him a good deal the way he seems to believe it. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, to me, it's something I would keep my eye on simply because, I mean, Butler, we know is, I mean, he is 
he's legitimate mixed league material, even if he's kind of bottom end, even when he was on some of his best strikes. You're talking shallow mixed leagues, but uh, you know, in deep mixed leagues, I mean, this is a guy who was you know, bordering on if he's not going to start, if he's going to lose the at bats, he was droppable. But mm -hmm. uh, now it seems to be hoping that. So I think folks are probably. Uh, I mean, it seemed unlikely that he was going to lose long-term at bats to Raul Abanez, but uh, I mean, the Royals have done s some dumber things. <laughs> so yes. it's it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, if this if this uh, helps him get him going. Dr Gregory Polanco dropped the seventh in the order. We actually just talked about him because of a listener request on Thursday. Is this a guy that mm -hmm. uh, you know? Hey, should I get off him? Should I? You know, he struggled for a month. I mean, he popped a homer. I think the the day before or two days before yes. the podcast. I think it was last Tuesday. Uh, and went two for four and had another uh, multi-hit game in there somewhere. Um, but uh, obviously Pirates are they're aware of his a bit of a struggles. I mean, it's going to be there's going to be an adjustment period. These guys, I mean, just because they're loaded with talent uh, and they've dominated every other level prior, uh, they're not going to occasionally come against some adversity. Uh, I think it's it's. I'm glad to see it. For instance, they didn't drop him to the eight hole, <laughs> uh, where he has to hit in front of the pitcher. But uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, I think fantasy owners still don't be discouraged. This is a talented hitter with a little bit of power and a lot of speed right now and potentially a little bit more power down the road, right? I mean, there's no no reason you see any concern here. No, I, not at all. Yeah, Not at all. This, I think a lot of people would be disappointed uh, if they do cut bait and then come back later and go, oh, man, is that what I missed out on? Yeah. No, yeah. not just write it out. Absolutely, yeah. I, in fact, I mean, that's uh, I kind of want to point it out only because, I mean, I was surprised that we would even get the question. So I think that's like... I look at him as a guy. I'm, you know, I got him, and I'm I'm still excited to see what he's going to do for the final two months. Mm -hmm. Ruben Amaro Jr. shoots down rumors that Philadelphia was contemplating releasing Ryan Howard, uh, perhaps as soon as this winter. Now, we we talked a little bit about the the rumor that had come up, and Howard is is clearly a guy who, who is uh, who is overpaid. Um, Basically, I think what you know what it boils down to. I mean, the Phil they, at the same time, sure, the Phillies would love to trade him. I'm not even sure how much they care if they uh, what they would get back for him. But uh, I mean, the big deal here is uh, Darren. They, they talked about the possibility of platoon with Darren Ruff or Roof, however you say his name. Um, and there's a, we, we talked a little bit about you know is this is this become Michael Franco's a true future position? Not to say necessarily this season. Uh, future position but uh that you know be, he moves to first base and they say they go with cody ashy or someone else at third base because franco is probably a long-term a liability defensively at third base but uh, uh is this uh, how do you see it shaking out in terms of is is howard rest of life platoon play at best uh and can he still carve out a career that way or do you think it even just it gets a whole lot worse and and uh there you know fantasy ownership is just is no longer reason to be interested, period. He should be a, a rest-away platoon play, but when you're making that much money, it's never going to happen. Uh, that's that's just the way things are. So um, from a fantasy perspective, if you're in a daily lineup, yeah, he's got to sit every day against lefties. I don't care what he's done in any kind of short-term garbage with them. Uh, it just it, – it, that can't continue. But it is uh, – if I'm Philly and somebody's willing to take – if I can only have to take on a little bit of that salary to uh, to get him off my team, I'm doing it. He, he's, an, he's an anchor. He's weighing you down, and, and this is not going to get any better. Yeah. Big slice is not coming back. Yeah, definitely pretty disappointing. Colin, Colin McHugh returns from the table list. Made to start today, returning from a fingernail avulsion, fingernail avulsion. Obviously, he's kind of been a topic of the back and forth. Seen him dropped, actually, in a league. Um 
uh, I guess an owner not willing to wait out the disabled stint. And we, you know, we, I think we still get questions is, is was Colin McHugh for real? And I think we'll, you know, we'll probably find out and we'll see probably something a little closer to, um, what folks may have seen, but I still think you have to like him because of the implementation of the, the combination of the jump and velocity. And I think it's the cut fastball has been really good for him to start when he came back today. Yes. Six and, six I'm and a, a third. I'm the fan. Yeah. Six and a third innings, one walk, nine strikeouts today. I mean, he gave up four runs, but uh, I mean, this was, I think this was overall positive in his first game back from the disabled list. Uh, I, I think fantasy owners are going to want to go back out there and get this guy. If, uh, if he became available in your league, like he did in one of mine. Agreed. So, yeah, Jed Jerko back from plantar fasciitis expected on Monday. This one kind of uh, hit me a little bit. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but in the sense, uh, hadn't had, hadn't seen an update on him in a little bit uh, and knew that he was kind of slowly working his way back. Awful season so far. Uh, what are your expectations for a player like Jed Jorko going forward? Man, yeah, like you said, <laughs> awful season going. Awful season going forward. The jerk store has pretty much been closed this year. Um, it's 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 frustrating because he's got power, mm-hmm. uh, and last year was not a fluke. You look back at his minor league numbers, yeah, uh, and he did it. You you look back at last year, you're like, okay, the on base percentage was low. From a skills perspective, he's pretty much right where he was last year, striking out a little bit more. But the 192 batting average in balls in play is just absolutely killing this guy right now. And ultimately, that's what it's going to come down to. And it's not like he's a guy that has to that has to pull to get his hits. You know, he does use all parts of the field. He's got home runs to left, center, and right field. That's not the problem. Uh, you know, he, he can get he can use all parts. A lot of his hits are going the other way. He's to me, when I'm looking at spray charts, I'm seeing a guy that's really struggling with balls on the inner half. And when I go, I'm looking at and pulling up some splits now to say, okay, what's going on with this? And last year, pitches on the inner half hit 271, slug 515. This year, 182 and 352. That's a problem. That's the same kind of thing that's wearing down Evan Longoria right now. He stinks on the inner half this year, but that's that's the difference for him. Pitches on the inner half are eating this guy's lunch right now. Yeah, Why? I it- Don't know. Well, I think that's, I mean, this is uh, when he went on the disabled list with this injury, uh, it's not his first taste of it because I think that's what he started the season with and missed some time with. Uh, I think he also maybe had a strain cap. I mean, he's dealt, uh, it makes me think, I mean, this is kind of, this was just destined to be a lost season for uh, Jerko, the way this was going. I, I can't help but think, I mean, Health, health, I think, has been probably at least somewhat of a factor in his performance. Platter fasciitis. The only, the only thing that would concern me is does this become a long-term problem? We've seen players have it, and then they, you know, they've dealt with recurrences of it uh, here and there. Albert Pujols is prime example. It has been a problem for him. This is the problem in the minor league. Uh, Problem for, um, you know, I'm I'm, take that back. Strike that. I'm thinking of Logan Forsythe. Forsythe had the foot problems. Same organization, but yes. He had the foot problems. Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, yeah, but it's still. It, I mean, it's it's an example. I mean, players can have recurrences of this injury, and I can't help but. Think, I mean, he's he has some swinging misses in his game. I think the combination of the strikeouts and uh, the I think the the lack of health uh, for good portions of this season have really kind of contributed to just as what is a lost season. The only thing, I mean. I kind of go in and I still say like cautious optimism. I think a lot of folks are going to be just just presuming uh, i mean because there were a lot of folks who were really on him this year but a lot of folks might be off him next season and maybe this is the kind of thing he goes in uh you know, has a productive off season in terms of health things like that he, he at least it looks like a potential rebound candidate we know the powers for real 
has to work on cutting down the strikeouts clearly. But mm-hmm. he started he started to do that a little bit in the minor leagues, uh, but we need to see that come through in the major league level. And uh, it's it, I mean, not a guy you're saying has a great high has a high ceiling batting average wise, but it would be nice to see the the power get to show get an opportunity to show up again. So here's yeah here's the thing with him that and one of the reasons the powers as the more I think about this. With this plantar fasciitis, and it's on his left foot, which for him is going to be his plant foot. And if you're going to hit with power, you need to be able to get that foot down and turn to be able to drive into the baseball. If that foot's hurting, think Albert Pujols last year. Same kind of issue. If you can't get down on that foot and, and do what you need to do, if that's if that's bothering you, that's the fulcrum point of everything. When you look at the perfect swing, when, when you see the guys on the Telestrator on TV when they draw that perfect line, it starts with that front foot and that leg and goes up through the hip and everything. If that's not working, if you're if you're hesitant to put that foot down or whatever, anything with that, and that's a load-bearing foot and weight, you can't get that. That power is going to break down. And then you end up doing it all arms. Or you're trying to waste and trying to uh, and hit home runs that way, and that's going to be a problem. So that's... I could see the more I thought about that, I'm like, wait a second, this was plantar fasciitis. I wonder if it was his front foot or his back foot, because mm-hmm. his front foot that explains it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes it makes a lot of sense, uh, and I would be I would be a little concerned about that if it if if it becomes a long term uh, thing for him uh, being such a young player. I mean, this could really this could really eat into his kind of his peak years potentially. I mean, I, I'd be afraid of that, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and perhaps that's just my paranoid delusions. <laughs> yeah, Mark Teixeira. Uh, dealing with a lat strain and has missed basically the last week. And it was kind of a, I mean, here's the thing he's supposed to be, uh, they think he could be back on Tuesday. And uh, so it sounds like he can avoid the disabled list. My thought is, okay. Um, originally they said they were going to make a decision about the DL on him on Friday. Then they said they were going to hold off in a decision on Sunday. Now they say that he, they think he can be back on, they think he can be back on Tuesday. Um, if I'm a fancy owner going into a weekly lineup league, I want, I still want the, uh, backup plan for him in place because I've been hearing this Here's all the weekend. Thing. If they would have disabled him, he would have been back off the list tomorrow. Has it been that the long? last game? The last game of the regular, of the first half, it was the 13th. They would have put him on the 15 day disabled list last week, retroactive to the 14th or the 13th, right? He would have been back like Joel Peralta. He's coming back tomorrow. Peralta went on the All-Star break, caught some kind of Dominican flu from a mosquito. The Rays put him on the disabled list retroactive. He comes back tomorrow. This would have been the case uh, rather than what Yankees have done trying to, to do what they've done around him. They just should have put he, him in the deal in the first place. Uh, yeah, he maybe he tried to play through this initially. or I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, whatever the case, I mean, it's... Uh, I, I would, I, I just uh, don't don't go into the week saying, oh, well, it sounds like he's back now, because that, I mean, it's just it it sounds like uh, they are being a little more optimistic than they should be, or that they uh, are misleading people to believe they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Morneau dealing with a sprained neck now. Uh, I mean, it's positive news. He's been you know such a renaissance season for him. It's nice to see uh, rehab's uh, appearance on Monday. I've seen activation early in the week. Some even suggested possibly as early as Tuesday. Maybe if he has, as long as he has a good game, shows he's okay. It would be the minimum, I think, the period. So that's encouraging for a guy who's had a lot of. Uh, he has had some back problems, and is uh, and, and so neck is not too far too far off. It's it's encouraging if you right. can get right back in there. And I think fantasy owners probably breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief if that if this plays out the way it continue has continued to be. 
James Paxton strained lat. Uh, this is a guy we talked about. Uh, he, Shocking. Yeah, he's <laughs> uh, expected to make a start Saturday in Baltimore, return from the disabled list. He's been out since uh, in, uh, since April. Um, what what what's the, what's the uh, shallowest league you're willing to take a shot on Paxton in? Eighteen team mixed. Okay. Yeah, we talked about this, and it's like it, it's love the talent. I, I, it's hard to see Seattle including. I mean, he's not going to be included in a trade package unless it's a you know a waivers deal. But that seems uh, kind of unlikely unless uh, it's someone with a huge contract. Uh, and in that case, I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility. But uh, regardless, Paxton is uh, he's loved the strikeouts. Deep mixed league material is a possibility, but uh, want to see how he comes back from a strain lat. See if there's any issues. Uh, reports that I've read have said that there have been no issues health-wise or velocity-wise or anything like that since he's come back in, in his uh, rehab starts. So I think that's mm-hmm. pretty encouraging. Uh, C.J. Wilson, sprained ankle, uh, rehab start Monday, probably going to be activated after that, assuming that there's no uh, setbacks or anything like that. But he's kind of unraveled since a pretty good start to the season. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you, I mean, Wilson droppable, you hang on to him in a, in a mixed league. I mean, he still offers the strikeouts. He's still doing that, but the walks uh, kind of spun him back out of control. Uh, and I mean, Hector Santiago has pitched pretty well for the angels in his last few starts, including today. Yeah. Wilson's still a guy <laughs> I can roll with. I mean, honestly, of all the things, you know, some of these guys coming back, the only thing, what bums me is Tulowitzki having to fly to Philly to go see a surgeon and then go to a Yankee game while he's out there. Mm-hmm. And then Edwin Encarnacion having a setback. That yeah. depresses me. Yes. That's understandable. I wonder, you know, the, you mentioned the Tulowitzki news, uh, strained hip flexor. Um, and now uh, this was an injury he originally didn't think he'd need to go on the table this for. But this is Troy Tulowitzki we're talking about here. Flies to Philly to see a sports hernia surgeon. Surely this is just precautionary, correct? Otherwise, you hope. <laughs> you hope, it, but it, between between the crap about you know the Rockies giving away T-shirts with his name misspelled, yeah. and, and you normally don't see a team a player going to a game of another team. I don't care what they're doing. That was unusual to yeah. see that. And then Jeff Passan was tweeting. He was hearing from sources that uh, um, it, it sounds like he's going to be on his way out. Uh, that he being Tulowitzki, that they might be trading him. I, it's not a it's not a pleasant situation uh, either way. But if he leaves, if he does leave Colorado, obviously it gives him a little bit of a hit. But this is still a guy we can't count on to stay healthy, and that, in the end of the day, is still the biggest concern with him. Yeah. So now you're saying, and maybe I'm just reading between the lines, or maybe I failed to read between the lines the first time because initially I thought, okay, he's he's only seeing the surgeon because they're trying to make this precautionary thing. But do you think that this is a possibility because we haven't heard all the story? Um, or is this a case of uh, some other team wants to get him checked out before they agree to trade for him? No, we just I don't think anybody would give clearance on that. I don't think they would allow that. Just like you know, here it is. Um, once we agree upon a deal, then we will let you look over the player uh, and take a physical. But no, I don't think it's anything along those lines. But um, for the long-term health of the franchise, they may have to deal Tulowitzki at some point and get him off shortstop and put him at third. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, I guess it, you know, at least uh, Josh Rutledge owners could get a little more shelf life out of this one. That'd be nice. Uh, Justin Masterson back from the deal on Friday versus Texas. Me, still not interested. Nope. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Next. 
<laughs> Garrett Cole will make at least two rehab starts, um, which is probably a positive. And Clint Hurdle wants to see him make 100 pitches in the minor leagues before they bring him back. That's probably not a bad thing either because he's dealt with a couple of health issues. But I, I still still like him when he's back. I think Fantasy Hunter should give up yes. on this guy. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, now, long-term stuff, just qu- uh, quick. Matt, Link- Matt Lindstrom, uh, ankle surgery, expected back in early August. So maybe that could be even this weekend. And uh, on the other side, Nate Jones had the microdiscectomy in – his back uh, is unlikely return this season seems uh, Matt Lindstrom owners, or uh, maybe you want to become one. Cause it's not, I mean, maybe he could be back in closing games in there or do they stick with a Jake Petrica? Uh, I think they stick with where he is. I never, I never believed in, in Lindstrom being a closer. I just, he doesn't have the stuff for it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, I mean, yeah, the only thing that the White Sox really have to be concerned about there is that they're increasing the cost of someone. But between him and, and say Zach Putnam uh, re-enters the picture, I don't think that uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't see any reason to give the role back to Lindstrom. So I really don't think I care. <laughs> uh, Derek Holland knee surgery, obviously uh, just before the season started, he's expected to begin a rehab assignment this week. Finally, uh, what leagues are you interested in him in? In him in? None. Yeah. I mean, twelve team AL maybe. Yeah. I, I mean it's. Keep your eye on him. Uh, he could certainly play. I mean, we know he can play in mixed leagues. We've seen it. But, uh, I mean, this is going to be – it's still it's still a bit of a road back, so maybe he makes a difference in September by the time – I mean, he's going to build up a good bit of stamina. Uh, A.J. Pollock, broken hand, expected to begin a rehab assignment. Uh, Mid-August return seems like it's a good possibility. This is a guy who was on a tear before he went on the disabled list and also kind yes, of he was. forgotten. Um I've seen uh, he was dumped a few weeks, a couple of like within a couple within a couple of weeks of the injury, and he's still been available. I, for instance, I'm throwing in a bid on him, uh, but this is was playing probably a little bit above his head. But do you think this was true? Uh, was this a breakout season? Was this the kind of thing we look at Pollock as a kind of a, a 12 team mixed league fixture? Uh, no, I think more of a 15. Okay. I, I'm not sure of the 12 uh, playing time because I think he was playing a bit over his head, but he certainly was making turning some heads. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Abasil Garcia, uh, torn labrum, uh, had the surgery on it, thought he was originally lost for the rest of the season. Now he might play in September. The White Sox seem pretty confident that he will. How interested are you own him, owning him compared to, I mean, we know his true talent level. Uh, and he was you know, probably, you know, basically his 15-team mixed league material, as is uh, in this day and age, and has a future, of course, potential to be much more. But do you think he's even an asset in 15-team mixed leagues uh, in September if he, if no, he does come back? Yeah. I don't. The shoulder issues, labor issues, aren't aren't very good to play. They are with. not. It's hard. They don't. They don't get solved that quickly. No, they don't. And it's no. This is not a situation. I don't care if he's coming back. It's not one I want to be involved in. Right. Uh, so I just want to say, Jason, congratulations, Nile, Nile, uh, Nolan Reimold, uh, Strain Groin. Uh, he has returned from the disabled list. Congratulations to Jason Collette, who is a longtime Reimold devotee. Yeah, I hate to say <laughs> I told you so, but I told you so. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that is that's always going to happen. That's never. I think he was on the field for two days for them, and I thought it was a misprint. I'm like, wow, Reimold's with the Blue Jays. Oh, there he's hurt. Oh yeah, he must be Roland Reimold. Can't be a different guy with the same name. <laughs> As you mentioned, Joel Peralta, he is back from the. Uh, sorry, I have to repeat this. Chumbawamba. Yes, the Chumbawamba. Oh, it's the, it's a new one. We've had the Cheeky Monkey, uh, the the. Oh, I forgot. I forgot one. The, the, okay, that's good. The Chumbawamba no, disease. The Chumbawamba. The Cheeky Monkey, the Chunky Monkey, uh, but it's the Chikungunya and uh, Kaikungunya, something like that virus, and he's back in action probably uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <sighs> 
Say goodbye to Eric Bedard. <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman, strained hamstring, expected now to miss six to eight weeks. I'm dropping him in the mix league. I own him in. I, goodbye. I don't, yeah. Uh, Michael Bourne, still no timetable for his return for a strained hamstring. Uh, show me your surprised face. Yeah, this is it. Hopefully it comes through on audio, but this is my surprise, Chris. <laughs> and so that's, I mean, that's a huge disappointment. This is a point, I mean, this is a guy who's closing in on difficult to see fantasy value for anyway, because if he's not if he's not running and he's not a great OBP guy, what's he doing for you? He's a distant cousin of Juan Pierre at this point. <laughs> on the way out, this is a little concerning. Coco Crisp, I mean, he still has fantasy value, but he's just, he's just going to see a specialist about his neck pain. That's been like a two-year thing for him. Yeah, yeah. Finally seeing a specialist, I think, about that. And um, again, uh, for everyone out there, uh, show me your shocked face, Carlos Quentin, knee soreness to the disabled list. Oh, for Christ's sake, would they just please trade him to the AL so he can be a DH at this point? It's such a joke. And the thing is, I would here's what I would like to say. This is not the knee that he had surgically repaired, and so it's not the same. But then you say, you know what? Well, this is actually uh, this is the left knee, and he started the season on the disabled list with soreness in that same knee. So Could I think be compensating for the other one. It's just he's a DH. Stop I, playing him in the outfield. I trade him to an I, AL team. I think it's time to move him to the wheelchair league myself. He's my new he's my new Nolan Reimold. If he were in the American League, I would be all over that guy. Yeah. And so it's our favorite time of the week. Time to pick our favorite and least favorite two term pitchers of the week. Um and I saw only one when I glanced at the list earlier that I wanted to even point out as I think is not a great start this week, potentially. Um but uh do, does anybody strike you right off the bat? Otherwise I can jump into mine. Somebody that strikes me off as a terrible start this week, uh, Scott Feldman. <laughs> yeah, well, when does he not strike you as a as a bad start? Most I mean, really, Brad Peacock, anything. But honestly, the most attractive thing to me is R.A. Dickey at Boston, at Houston. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like those matchups. I mean, Boston is not hitting well right now. Uh, they're Houston, struggling. Houston, like Houston has been terrible. Yeah, Houston. That's my favorite matchup of that list is of the two start guys. That that is my favorite matchup this week. Yeah, that's a very intriguing one. I like Trevor Bauer getting the start against Seattle. Has actually for some reason been a little better against left-handers. I think I'm not positive. I think on that, but they're about the same. I mean, it's 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 a decent offense, not great, but two starts at home: one against Seattle, one against Texas, and he's been slowly pitching better lately. I'd like to see him put together a really nice stretch. Also, because I own him. <laughs> uh, but and this mm-hmm. is uh, I'll just say uh, the only the only start here like high end starter I'm kind of concerned about uh, this week myself is Cole Hamels. Um, not so much because of the trade deadline and his starts are bookending that or anything like that, but he's always kind of been not very good against the Mets. He has an ERA around uh, above 450 against them in his lifetime, has right. been trashed in a start earlier against them. And Washington has been among the best teams in baseball against left-handed pitchers for much of the season. Uh, they've been yes. you know, somewhat uh, hotter here lately. So I think this is a potentially bad week for Hamels. This the schedule really line up that Irvin Santana gets the matchup against Eric Stoltz twice this week? <laughs> one at home and one on the road? You know what? Holy uh, cow, that's true. There's my two-star guy. Wow, that's that's an excellent... Uh, well, yeah, first of all, that's an excellent pick because uh, you can't ask for a better... Is it? Is it, uh, The Padres still have the worst offense in baseball, is that correct? Oh, God, they're awful. Oh. Every now and then they'll pull one out of their butt. Like the other day, they, they waxed Edwin Jackson. But yeah. it's Edwin Jackson. Uh, <laughs> for the most part, no, that team's that, that's terrible. And outside of that, um, you know, Mike Leake with Arizona and at Miami, I think that's intriguing as well. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm seeing here now. Um, he does. I mean, he does get the Padres twice, but uh, now I see the 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 starters have been mixed up. I, I think I think they've had to rearrange because of the Kennedy thing. Uh, because he actually gets to face Jason Lane instead. So all darn. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, still not changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> In fact. That's all the more reason because, you know, even if Jason Lane lasts five innings in that, that's got to be a positive for the Braves offense, right? <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and, and uh, <clears throat> then Santana will get the face, uh, assuming that Kennedy is ready to take that start. But uh, I think that's far from a given. Uh, he would get to face Kennedy at San Diego next time around. So, I mean, it sounds like two different fill-ins for Santana this week as opponents. Um, I mean, either way, it sounds like a great week. And he's 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 been pitching better lately, so it's, this is a great time to have him in your lineups. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. This has been episode number 147. Jason, thank you, as always, for sh- uh, setting some wonderful baseball insight with all of our listeners. Yes, absolutely. Next week uh, will be August 3rd, uh, just a couple days before hopefully I'm making my first trip to PNC Park. Uh, for a game on August 5th. So I'm uh, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, that would be awesome. You can give us an in-person evaluation uh, or what your takeaway in the in the following week. You can give us a takeaway on Polanco. And uh, this has been, like I said, this has been episode number 147 of Sleeper in the Bus. We thank you all for listening and we look forward to next time. Mm-hmm.